Welcome to the Artist Engineer Podcast. Join me, Tony Tran. And me, Bill Robertazzi. Along with our amazing guests, as we explore how people's inner artist and inner engineer present themselves in their technical careers, in the art they create, and most importantly, in living creative lives. Hi there, Tony. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Welcome to our show, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> So for this episode, Tony and I are really just going to talk together, and it's going to be one of our quarterly theme episodes. And the topic we're going to try to unpack is the topic of creativity. You know, what is it? How do you define it? Can you engineer it? A question we've asked uh, several people. Uh, what's it look like in a work environment, in a technical environment? In an engineering environment, a science environment? What does it look like for artists when they're creating? What does it look like in our own lives when we try to create either solutions in work or art personally or just living creative lives? And what are the, some of the hurdles to that maybe uh, or personal styles that that you're aware of or not aware of. So I think the first part of this, we're going to maybe just try to define what we think of as creativity, each of us and what we've heard from some people and see if we agree on it. Tony, what's your definition? I wish I had a definition, Bill. Uh, I, I know from, um, from me, as, as if we can label ourselves, I would say I have uh, an engineering mindset, much more than an artist mindset per uh, kind of our podcast uh, dichotomy here. And from that point of view, what is creativity? I've been trying to figure that out for decades uh, from an engineer's point of view, um, how to um, uh, not just construct applications. Uh, there is a classic book called Co-Construction, which is just doing things effectively and well uh, versus coming up with elegant solutions, new ideas, combining different ideas to make a, a move in a new direction, kind of a, make up a new concept. There's a mix of all those things, again, from the engineering mindset. I often wonder, and I discuss with many of my uh, much more artistic friends, what creativity is in uh, music or art. And before discussing with them, you know, I often thought it was being struck by inspiration or a muse or uh, you know, uh, sitting at a lake for, for a month uh, until uh, the power of uh, creativity like strikes you. <laughs> um, but I think, honestly, uh, I'm sure there's some of that. And actually, in the engineering point of view, there's some of that as well. Uh, you go to sleep at night and you wake up with a, with a, uh, a solution to a problem that you didn't have uh, until you dreamt about it in some way. Speaking to my art, much more artistic, uh, embedded colleagues, I think we dive into it, that creativity process of coming up with new ideas or mixing things together might be a bit more um, structured than I was thinking from looking from the outside in. Even for thinking about writing books, drafting different revisions and additions, kind of iterating into kind of uh, the perfect idea. In sculpture, the sculpture is inside the stone. You're just chipping away kind of the unnecessary bits. There's something in there that, that links it to me. It's um, much more of a spiraling in to an idea than just the, uh, the instances where you have this eureka moment. I love some of the things you said there, because the, the, the idea of remixing different ideas, um, if you think of 
kind of the way hip hop is blown up and sampling when it first came out. People, are they really creating music? And I was certainly in that camp of like, well, if you're just borrowing different things and sampling and, and getting some synthesizers in there where you're really creating something new, but by remixing, you're creating a whole new genre. So uh, that remixing is really an interesting idea. So is there anything that's really new? But what you said there, I think, is right. Um, the iteration process is right. I think the idea and the inspiration, I think there is something there that sparked of an idea. And this goes back to when our early guest, Ron DiOrio, gave us the equation of uh, imagination plus productivity equals creativity. And I really like that because that idea is the imagination. You know, even as you said, you can imagine in your mind a shape for a sculpture, say, that's never been made before. And then you have to chip away, learn the materials. You have to be productive before it's created. And if not, it just stays an idea that never actually gets created. And personally, as someone who has lots of ideas, particularly uh, various artistic ideas, that, that middle productivity part, I'm still, I still struggle with. Do I uh, stick with it long enough to interest me or do I stick with it long enough to, to produce it in some way? I said one of my intentions was to try to, to bring some of my creative, more artistic ideas into the real world. And I, I started off strong and then kind of backed away. And we talked a little bit about that personally, you and I. It, it maybe comes to personal styles too. I, I like collaborating and I was kind of working on my own on it. Are there different environments that make you more creative? When I'm thinking of these ideas, I can bounce them off many people and talk about them and they, they seem great and, and people like the ideas that you should do that. The issue is I have to go away and do that. So I think, we're, I think we're circling into a pretty good definition, an idea around it. The, the engineering of the idea, I think, like you said, it maybe is a little what I'm saying too, is, is you, the environment that creates it, right, is, is part of it. And that's one of the things you said you may be looking for. How do you create an environment that brings up new ideas that maybe acts as a muse or, or sparks something? Yeah, I think that's great. As you were saying that, I was thinking we should probably, to your point, be very careful in defining creativity, like what we're talking about. Because often, I think when we're saying creativity uh, in that framework, we're maybe thinking imagination, brainstorming, daydreaming, imagining. If we say that's a completely different concept than creativity, because we are the artist engineer podcast, we're talking about uh, we're talking about like what artists and engineers do, which is create real things to be experienced by real people. I think Sunil Garg said that as well. Art isn't art until it's experienced or interacted with from an audience or, or other people. To your point about collaboration, I wonder if collaboration, which is, of course, remixing, as you said, ideas from different people, is much more of a kind of that uh, remix approach to it. That approach of collaborations versus kind of doing something your own, I think both, both uh, work uh, for myself as well. I'm often uh, do a combination of those. Uh, I'm often whiteboarding on my own uh, from a kind of a personal sharing. I have a really hard time thinking and talking at the same time. I don't know how funny that sounds, but I have to think ahead of time and then I can communicate it. Other people don't have the problem. They're thinking as they're talking. So uh, depending on the way you work and think and uh, the way you are creative, 
collaboration might work very well for you. Time set aside to be alone might work well for other people. Um, I do want to touch on um, kind of how we might structure space or kind of processes in our lives, both artistic and kind of engineering life, to maybe foster creativity. I know, for example, Fernanda O, oh, uh, who's who was our uh, uh, guest, who's a biologist and a sculptor, she mentioned something that I think is a very common technique: is that if you're working too hard to be productive, you don't have mental energy, mental space to be creative. So you need to set aside time of non-productive work, where your mind is quiet. Uh, I mentioned sleeping and dreaming. That's in some ways that's the non-productive work as well, where you can uh, play. Another quote from not one of our guests, but I, I remember it quite a lot from Adam Grant, an organizational psychologist. Creativity comes from structured play, uh, setting aside time where you can collaborate, bounce, bounce around ideas, give kind of space to a different part of your brain. Hmm. What are the techniques you might have used or seen? Play is certainly up there. And I, I think the thing about play is that when you're playing, you're less worried about making mistakes. And that was, uh, you know, that space to be able to play or experiment as uh, Fernando is an artist uh, allows for the experimentation where, you know, it's, it, if it doesn't work out, goes wrong, it's, it's not a mistake that you kind of pay for, which is kind of uh, sounds like play in a lot of ways, right? And you're enjoying it. It's fun and that type of thing. And Fernanda also said something which I think is totally true, which is, is that you know, at the end of the day, everyone's creative. Um, we're, we're basically creating our lives every moment that we're alive. Our mind creates our lives. I'm a big believer in meditation and, and mindfulness. And, and so you're, you're creating your, your life moment by moment. And that's where all imagination, ideas, creativity comes from. So, you know, so people express that in a lot of different ways and live creative lives. One of the reasons I have that tagline in our show. So I think besides the play, it's allowing yourself to experience new things. You're not being fearful. Um, I was reading, uh, as a little research for this show, uh, an article on the internet about creative living or living a creative life. And the headline was, uh, fear is boring. And you know, when you're fearful or a little risk adverse, you maybe don't try new things. You don't allow yourself to be in new situations experience new things. And I think maybe that's a remix because you, you then either, or an inspiration, you get inspired by what you're seeing or what you're touching or tasting or hearing. And, and that might inspire you to do something else with it. That's very creative or live in a certain creative way. So, you know, my recommendation for people would be be curious and try new things, see new things. Cause I think that actually sparks a lot of imagination, a lot of creativity in people. Yeah, a couple of things there really clicked with me um, as uh, I was connecting things that I had thought about with some things you said. Uh, when you're curious, playful, you're less likely to make mistakes or you have uh, less of a fear of failure connected with uh, psychological safety, this kind of idea that in work, we need to create spaces of psychological safety for many reasons, but in, in this case, maybe to foster creativity. Mm -hmm. um, I think that makes a lot of sense uh, in terms of uh, what we often think about from work and uh, besides being just curious and uh, not being afraid to make mistakes, um, a real kind of intention there to create safe spaces um, in areas where we need to be creative. And going back to 
something you said too about artists, particularly, and and fear, or fear of failure, fear of reaction. You know, Chanel mentioned uh, that about if it's not art until you put it out there and someone reacts to it. And he said, he goes, what is, you know, what is that psychological thing of the artist who never shares their art outside of their own creation as it shows it to anyone? You know, there's a level of perfectionism possibly, but it's the fear of the reaction, the rejection, the whatever it is, someone won't like it. That means they won't like me because I've kind of put myself on this piece of paper into this music, into this book, into this, whatever it is. So, so it's a interesting underlying psychological element to all this. Yeah, it goes to a point I think we made before around art, but even in, in like software engineering, when is something finished to this point about like, when is it ready to be interacted with or maybe the kind of the negative word of it is judged by other people. If you're fearful of that kind of final step, can always tinker with something, software code, books, paintings, et cetera. Even I think Steven Spielberg keeps tinkering with ET. I mean, as an example. Engineering with science, with other technical fields, when it's finished, is a little more quantifiable maybe. You can, for many things that are being built, there's a, a function to it. So it comes to why create the big kind of why do and engineers, quote unquote engineers, are why do they create and why do artists create? And there's something very functional, tangible about the release of the software code. It's probably to solve a problem or deliver a service or something or the building of a bridge. Hopefully it's ready to be what, what vehicles ride over it. Um, so there, there's something almost measurable. You'll, you'll, you, you'll probably know if, if it wasn't ready in a lot of ways. Or, and, maybe, and then people will have their, their judgment of it, you know, bridge is ugly or you, the, the lanes weren't right and there's a lot of traffic and, you know, and, and, and there's some debatable points to it. With art, on the other hand, you know, why do artists create? They're expressing something, expressing something that they feel maybe or something about the world, the environment, and they're trying to express to others. And, but it's maybe not as uh, quantifiable. And so, you, you know, which is why you have maybe art critics to tell you what, you know, you're supposed to think about a movie or a piece of art or whatever. Um, so it's kind of an interesting um, fork in the road between those two worlds. Uh, what's an interesting question? Uh, definitely from the engineering point of view, solving a problem is part of uh, the nature of it. A lot of these things are early in technology are just experimentation. There's some idea that this technology, AI, blockchain, machine learning could be used in some way. The pleasure is in just kind of like advancing it, tinkering with it, figuring it out, improving it. In that way, in technology and engineering, there's, um, there's many areas where there's almost done purely for creativity. Um, there's no real mm. problem to solve yet. Uh, and, and in many ways, it's a kind of a, it's a normal cycle in the very early stage of going uh, working through a new technology. In, uh, in art, um, in artistic endeavors, creative, uh, artistic creative endeavors, I have a question for you or for our audience, maybe. When does the production of art, if it's done for, let's say, profit or business, how 
how far does, can that go before it's just solving a problem? In this case, maybe it's a, a business problem, like a f- personal finance problem, and it's considered not creative or somehow art inherently creative. I do not believe all art is inherently uh, creative <laughs> or, ima- or, or imaginative. Yes. I think a good portion of, uh, of it is, uh, is not. And particularly what maybe a lot of art we experience in the mainstream certainly is not because, as you say, there's a bottom line behind it. And so if it's being put out by a music company or movies or certain art exhibits, you know, there, there's a, uh, the ones who have really made it that are still creative, I, I find really interesting is how do they keep that going? And maybe they've broken through to something. Um, they're true artists in some way. So, I mean, they're creative because they're putting things out there, but as we said, but maybe not as imaginative. Uh, if you lose, maybe there's a lot of productivity, yes. but a little less imagination, a little less something new um, coming out, but it's pleasant, it's entertaining, it makes you feel something. But, you know, when, when art is really art, it, it makes you feel something, react. If it's kind of neutral, your reaction, then it's, I think it's not as imaginative as creative. If it either, makes you, uh, inspires you, makes you love it, whatever, or, or makes you really hate it even. That can be very, uh, that, that shows you're, you're maybe on a, or question it or, or wonder why did that person do that? <laughs> you know, that's, that's pretty imaginative and creative, right? And, and you're, as you say, you're almost going to that and to go back to your, uh, your point, like to the basic research standpoint, they were just doing it for the, almost the enjoyment of it, right? The, the tinkering with it, the experiment, not thinking that anyone in the mainstream would maybe even like it. And then maybe it breaks through, which is pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, just because it's a film or a song, it might be uh, kind of weighted more towards the product, productivity part of our equation than the uh, imagination part of our equation. So productivity does not equal creativity on its own. <laughs> and then to your question, I want to get back to it is how do you maintain creativity over the long term? For me, of course, I, know, I don't have all the answers, but I know a part of it for me, at least, is continual learning. You can get really good at something. And I, I, I think in decades, uh, I often say um, I got really good at being a software engineer over 10 years and try to get really good at being a engineering manager for 10 years. I think this goes back to uh, Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours. It roughly equates to 10 years of really uh, dedicated practice to, to reach mastery at something. But what happens after you reach mastery at something, the Beatles reach mastery level uh, without learning something new, uh, going through that kind of learning cycle again, a beginner's mindset. Maybe you fall into that trap of just being productive. Where does the new ideas come from? In uh, technology, that might be easy. You know, when you say technology changes very fast, you're always learning. Mm. <laughs> There's always something new coming out every two or three years that you have to learn. If you don't learn, you quickly fall behind. So that's, uh, in many ways, for technologists, the draw of being in engineering, uh, it's always something new to learn. Um, you're not never bored. Um, maybe it's too fast-paced even. Um, so that's a great, uh, uh, that's kind of an external push to be creative. Mm. From uh, an artistic point of view, I think, I see it as taking much longer. You know, we talk, we see music eras changing, music styles, kind of new music styles 
you mentioned um, kind of hip hop and rap, which is uh, starting the sampling and then later on electronic music with new tools. Um, that takes uh, 10, 15 years and early, like earlier times, probably longer from uh, kind of jazz to blues to rock and roll, like where, where something new comes up, new comes in to kind of drive the creativity, new um, technology, you know, electronic guitars and sampler drum machines and stuff of things. What are your uh, thoughts or ideas about how you can or uh, other people can maintain their creativity? I'm going to wait on the maintaining, but it, it, you struck me with something about the technology field and how quickly it changes because that is actually quite true. And, and uh, the pace of it, if you like that, if you're curious and creative or maybe that's really exciting and a, and a good space to be like, you're never bored, like you said. And uh, I remember early in my career, when I was doing a lot more technical work, a good friend of mine, we were both considered kind of experts in the, the space we were in at the time, which was kind of um, uh, networking protocols and, and things. And it was changing so quickly. It was kind of back, oh, I don't know, maybe the late 90s, early 2000s. And he said to me uh, something that I always stuck with me. Yeah, we're both kind of working class guys from New York. He had a great uh, Bronx accent, actually. You know, I, I was I was one of his accents instead of mine. Um, but he goes, you know, I'm not sure that I'm cut out for this. He said, if I was a pipe fitter, he said, you know, 20 years from now, I'd still be a great pipe fitter. He goes, now he goes, you know, one day I'm you know master of the universe in this field. Two years later, I'm a dinosaur. And I'm expected to relearn everything that I spent two years before learning. And then three years again and two years again. And, and, uh, and he was very frustrated by that. And I was actually kind of energized by it. Now, on the other hand, can you keep up that pace of learning? I always wonder that about, as you said, um, some artists, uh, often they, you know, and, and, you know, rock and roll stars, one day or actors, they peak in a certain place in certain fields you know, can you still be uh, as edgy and, and creative and, and keeping up with things changing? You have the, the energy and the internal imagination, creativity. Uh, so, so that's a good question. Uh, and how do you keep that going? And I guess I go back to being curious and opening your, your mind to new experiences, um, certainly uh, in your life. You know, and it's a cliche, it maybe keeps you young at heart a little bit, right? Um, and hopefully that feeds into your mind a little bit. <laughs> I, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, how long can you keep this up? Or maybe a better question, should you keep this kind of fever pace up? up? <laughs> uh, anyway, I think we should be uh, forgiving and gentle with ourselves. Uh, I think to your question, uh, is it possible? I think for the majority of us, majority of us, it's not possible. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's a few bright, shining stars that might be like that. Some real geniuses. Uh, I'm going to mention Elon Musk, but I don't know people are going to like, there'll be some controversial opinions about whether Elon Musk is like something that somebody to emulate. <laughs> um, I go back to, uh, to, to this point about kind of being forgiving and gentle with ourselves. There's a concept about um, having seasons in life, in our life is like, let's say 80 years. I think it comes from John Maxwell, uh, at least uh, in some part, John C. Maxwell, who writes a lot of leadership type of books. In your early career, you're about yourself, learning a lot in your 20s to, to maybe 30s, learning a lot, kind of really growing, forming yourself in the middle part of your career. Let's call it the summer. That's your peak 
productivity time. That might be the peak of your career, professional career, peak of your artistic uh, creativity. And then at some point, you might be turning into a mentor or a teacher to kind of share your experience. But you can't maintain that summer period, that peak period for 80 years. Uh, you know, there, there is a kind of a cycle and a season of life. If we think, you know, uh, if we don't take a step back and say, oh, you know, isn't the best part of us being at the peak? Uh, I, th- I think we, we're missing some big picture. <laughs> I don't think we, we can or should try uh, to be at a peak. Mm-hmm. We should enjoy it and kind of reach it mm-hmm. uh, uh, when we get the opportunity. But uh, when you feel like you want to move on to a different season uh, to slow down, to take a breather, a break, definitely, uh, uh, I think that's the case for the, for the majority of us. Mm. That made me think of another uh, episode uh, Ethan Richards mentioned, and we talked a little bit about having young people around you, your reverse mentors. I think that's actually quite true. And so you're, you're, you're kind of mentioning age and years, you know, collaborating in some way or having uh, people who are of another generation, a generation or two below you around and being very open to their ideas is another way to, to keep your creativity, curiosity, and open-mindedness more uh, flexible and fluid. So I'd recommend that for people, for sure. Um, I second that recommendation. I'm not as smart as I used to be. I'm amazed by uh, how fast and smart and uh, quick thinking and creative uh, our early stage, uh, um, early career people, excuse me. Yes. Um, so, so I second that recommendation. I've learned quite a lot and it's, it's been a great experience working with early career people. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking your mention of Elon Musk. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have gone with him, <laughs> but uh, I might've gone with Steve Jobs who I thought was able to um, sustain a lot of creativity and, and, and imagination and inspiration for many years. And it's funny because he uh, is always compared as to his peer, Bill Gates, who you know, was creative in many ways, right? He purchased the software that made him big. Microsoft was a super smart businessman, but certainly not, you know, they're, 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 they almost seem like the, the artist engineer uh, mindset in some ways. And, uh, and Jobs, I think it suggested that the, the, what was lacking in Bill Gates was that he had never taken LSD. So maybe that's a recommendation out there for people. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, the Bill Gates, Steve Jobs is, uh, is your classic <laughs> artist, engineer uh, kind of mindsets. What has been a fun conversation, Tony? you have any closing thoughts to end this? Definitely a lot of fun. Uh, I think I want to maybe close on... Uh, something we mentioned about hurdles in terms of what might be blocking us from unlocking our creativity. You know, we've talked about some techniques would foster creativity, but uh, with all the best intentions, you're still blocked in some way, right? As blocker otherwise. I've, uh, I've heard, and I believe kind of the best uh, approach to this is just taking action, anything. Uh, so I know for you and I just kind of to pull back the curtain a little bit for our podcast and things like that, sometimes uh, we're writing intros or doing editing. And uh, for me, uh, and maybe with a slightly perfectionist mindset, um, it's, uh, mm-hmm. I often quite do a lot of thinking about it and taking a lot of time. And my technique uh, I mentioned to you is uh, I convince myself, let me just do a bad job first. Just take some action. Take one step. Uh, don't worry about the quality of it. That action point of view uh, in a virtuous loop kind of unlock the imagination part of it as well. Um, if you want to be creative, 
we're all creative, uh, take an action, and I think we'll be uh, pleasantly surprised. Very good. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Bill. Great conversation. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can email us at podcast at theartistengineer.com if you have show ideas or want to follow up with feedback or just want to say hi. We'd love to hear from you, so feel free to connect. You can find more information about this episode in the show notes at www.theartistengineer.com. And finally, if you enjoyed the show, please leave an iTunes review as it helps the show get discovered by more people. And also hit the subscribe button.